16, Matthew 16. All right, well, it's been an exciting week for me. Had an opportunity to preach at the, uh, at the Central Indiana Youth Rally yesterday, and that was an interesting uh, event. Felt like the kids responded, but I, I haven't preached to that many teenagers in a while. And what's amazing is, There were kids there whose parents were in my youth group. And so I began to call out different parents that were in my youth group, and I said, if you're the child of, 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 man, it was cool to see them standing up. They're still in church, many of them, and so that was a thrill. Had a couple young ladies uh, that went, I believe they go to Greenwood Bible Baptist Church, and they came up to me, and they said, my dad told me to come up and say hello. I looked and I said, what's your dad's name? Mark Miller. I said, no way. He's responsible for you? (laughs) So what a blessing. It was just a thrill. And, you know, I was talked to the youth pastors a little bit. I said, you know, I love being a youth pastor. I really, really enjoyed working with teenagers. I still do. But it got to a point in my life to where those all-nighters, you can forget that. They took me two days to recover. And I realized, well, and the Lord, the Lord led me out. Initially, I thought, man, I'll be a youth pastor the rest of my life. We just won't have all-nighters. So, <clears throat> but the Lord led me out. And, but it was so much fun. And, and, of course, the youth pastor there at Lighthouse Indy, uh, they still meet on Thursday nights. And they still have some, some traditional activities that we implemented Way back in the way back in the nineties, it's ancient history. Nineties, and they're still they're still they still have a hayride or bonfire activity, and I think they still they still have their winter retreat. They still have, uh, I think they still do crazy Olympics now and then, and some other things. So, anyways, just it was a good time. And I told the kids, I said, I got to warn you about getting old, though. I got to warn you. You start growing hair places you didn't grow it before. (laughs) Like your nose. I mean, what's that all about? Now, I haven't been blessed with the ear hair yet. I have a friend who's blessed with that ear hair, and it really can serve as an antenna. (laughs) He's got shortwave radio when he lets that baby grow. But... (laughs) <laughs> hey, hey, those little machines that, that clean out the inside there, they, those are awesome. Whoever invented that, that guy's making money. He's making my money. <laughs> Come on, any of you guys ever use those? Uh, doesn't it feel better to have that all cleaned out? Let me just say this, your wife appreciates it. Your wife appreciates it. I mean, there's nothing worse than when those things can grow so long they look like a mustache. That's a bad deal. You might as well just grow a mustache. I'm with adults now, my wife says. All right. Let's look at Matthew 16. If you're able to stand, let's begin at verse 21. 21. I am very glad you're here this, e- this morning, this evening. Wow. Um, 
It's just been a refreshing week, though. Verse 21, the Bible says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And I've always found this just fascinating. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. I have always found that narrative very, very fascinating. We've spent a lot of time in this portion of Scripture because there is so much to be said. Now, don't forget, if you've been here the past couple weeks, just a few verses prior, Jesus said, uh, complimented Peter and said, uh, and upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of what? Hell shall not prevail against it. So he's already talked about, I'm going to attack hell. We're attacking the kingdom of hell. And in in the midst of the disciples and the Lord Jesus, as they stood there or sat there and conversed, there was another presence there as well. And we don't even know it until we get to verse 23. Well, we already read it. Let me pray with you, Father. May the Spirit of God help us this morning. You have uh, given us your word to help us see things that we cannot see. To help us understand things that we otherwise would not understand. To make us mindful of things that we would be totally ignorant of. We wouldn't know the details of heaven or hell had your word not clarified it. We wouldn't understand the fact that we're under condemnation had your word not clarified it. We wouldn't understand who created all of this, though we would perceive there was a creator. We wouldn't understand that had your word not declared it's your handiwork. I pray this morning that the Holy Ghost would teach us, instruct us, open our eyes that we might see, strengthen our faith. If there be one or two or other more than that that are here, that are unsaved, I pray, Lord, they'd be rescued by that act of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful that you've made provision for our salvation. Bless the service, bless the music. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I get to live with that. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, well, let's look at this narrative. Let's rehash the storyline. If I can get your brains to engage in this visual. Jesus has his disciples in his midst. I need to turn this on. I know, fellas, I didn't even look up and I could see you. All right, are we good? Okay. So the disciples are around the Lord Jesus Christ, and 
he inquires, he says, who do men say that I am? And they begin looking at each other, I imagine. And one says, well, some say uh, you're John the Baptist. And another one says, one of the prophets. Some say Elias, says another one. And then Peter piped up. Uh, Peter piped up, that's funny. Anyways, <laughs> Peter says, uh, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And the teacher of the class said, that's right, Peter, you get an A. And then the Lord Jesus goes on to tell Peter, and upon that rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell. Pause. Excuse me. There's a hell? Uh, well, tell me about that place. Well, since you ask, I'm going to just, just touch on it. Jesus said, there's a hell. Well, who, who's in that place? Well, we know one character for sure, but we know there are many others. Uh, Luke 16 tells us about a man, a real man that died and went to hell. He was very wealthy on this earth. Wealth does not send you to hell. But it happened to be he was wealthy. And I think a difficulty sometimes for wealthy people is they don't see their need to put dependence in Jesus. That can be a difficulty, okay? Wise is the wealthy man who understands where his wealth came from and that he is going to spend eternity somewhere and that he needs Jesus. Wise is the wealthy man. So anyways, uh, we find this fella dies along with a poor man and it says right after his death in Luke 16, and in hell he left up his voice being in torments. So God's word tells us there's a hell and it's a place where there's torments. And uh, it goes on to tell us it's a place of fire, and it's forever. Forever. It also tells us a place where uh, the term is used where the worm dieth not. Now, commentators have debated on the two different aspects. It could be both. But one aspect, uh, the worm has the idea of the mind or the conscience. Back in old the old English culture, they talk about the, your you're being eaten by this worm, your conscience. So that's, that could be very true because in hell, this rich man knew who he was. He knew who he was. He knew why he was there. He knew he wasn't leaving. And he would not find any alleviation from hell. Okay, that's what the Bible says. Uh, <clears throat> but there's another idea of that worm. It, it is... Uh, Real, like, look, worms. That's kind of gross. I've been told that we have worms in our bodies. Isn't that exciting? I got worms in my body, and when I'm dead, they're going to eat my skin. That's kind of gross. I don't know if that's true or not. I think that may be too many horror movies, and I don't like horror movies, so that's, I don't know about that stuff. But biblically speaking, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the, the fact that there's a hell is no laughing matter. And the Lord Jesus said about the, his church, it is to be the aggressor, it is to attack the gates of hell, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so the reality is the condition of humanity at this time, uh, there's two groups of people walking planet earth right now. Two groups. I've said this before. 
the saints and the ain'ts. The ain'ts. What are they? Do they have a thorax? No, that's ants. The ain'ts. That means the ones who aren't saints. The ones who are not saved. Those two groups of people are walking the planet right now. My hope and prayer is that everybody in the room is part of the saints. That's my hope and prayer. I believe your testimony if you tell me. Uh, But inevitably, it's God that knows the hearts. Hello? Inevitably. And inevitably, it's more important for you to know you're going to heaven than it is for you to make people think you're going and still live with doubt. That's serious stuff there. Because, like, eternity is a long time. You think study hall or you think math class is long. Yeah. Or history class or English class is long. You think that's long. Hell. Hell is long. So, Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he, he goes on, he compliments Peter, and, and then he goes on and he tells us in the passages we've read, Jesus said, uh, well, he said, first of all, I don't want you to tell everybody right now who I am. Because here's the plan, guys. Uh, the scribes and Pharisees, and they're going to take me, they're going to interrogate me, they're going to kill me. I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. We read that, and well, that's rough news. And the guy standing around the teacher, you're going to what? I'm going to die and rise again. See, I can't imagine their looks, see, the jaw drop. They're following him, and they, it never really registered. And Peter, again, the speaker of the gang, the Bible says he rebuked him and said, Forbid it, Lord. And then the Lord's response. The Lord's response, well, the title of the sermon is Calling Out the Devil. I think it's good to call out the devil. You know, sometimes husbands and wives get at it, but why don't you both call out the devil? Sometimes parents and children get at it, but let me, let's call out the devil. Sometimes a friend and a friend get at it, but I'm telling you, why don't you just call out the devil? Are you hearing me? The Bible says we fight not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. And the devil would be more than happy for you and I to be upset at each other and go after each other and tear apart each other and watch our Christian testimony get quenched and the light go out. And all along he sits back in the darkness stirring things up. Why don't we call out the devil? Well, Jesus calls out the devil, and the reality is this. I didn't even know the devil was there until Jesus called him out. You didn't know the devil was there until Jesus called him out. The disciples didn't know the devil was there until Jesus called him out. They had no idea. He's right here. 
And then can you imagine Peter? Because you got to know he was looking directly at Peter. Are you saying Peter was the devil? I am not saying that. I am not. But let's be honest, he was being influenced by the devil. Hello? And the devil is a master influencer. A master influencer. Now we need to understand this. Everything in God's word is there for our spiritual well-being. Everything that is written, some of it, we have no understanding of it. I don't get it. Don't get hung up on that. There's other stuff that's like, yeah, I know what that means. I got that. And then we, we come to these historical events where we actual dialogue with people that actually lived, and God records these specific narratives for a reason. We know they spoke more than this. We know more took place, but this is what God said. This is what needs to be recorded for all time for my people to learn from. There's something I want them to get. I will scratch the surface on this. You may draw more out of this than I will, but let me, let me just give you a few obvious things, and then we'll come to the, bam, the, the exclamation uh, point that I feel really needs to be hammered home. The first thing I see here as I read this, it is obvious there's a devil. Well, tell us something we didn't know. Well, I think God wants us to know. We don't act like there is. I mean, I understand that. and I don't think we ought to walk around feeling uh, living in fear or paranoia or things like that. But there is a real devil. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. By the way, Peter understood this. And Peter would write this years after this event. And Peter would say, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goeth about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If you are a saint, you're on the menu. If you were an ain't, you're not on the menu. You got bigger problems. Uh, hello? The devil is real. Jesus said about him in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, you know, the, the thief, that's what he called him there, he cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I'm come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Big distinction between the two great influencers of humanity. Absolutely. Paul would later on say in Ephesians 4, he would say, neither give place to the devil. James would say, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. The order is significant. You can't resist him unless you submit to God. You have no, even Michael the archangel in the book of Jude, when they disputed over the body of Moses, he didn't manhandle or angel handle the devil. Oh no. But he said, the Lord rebuked thee. Oh, hey, hey. Good news, child of God. Good news. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Good news. But nevertheless, nevertheless, there is a devil. He has an objective. 
He has a kingdom. And the church is creating problems for his kingdom. Any child of God that's living for God is creating problems for his kingdom. I, uh, I don't always say this, but I would say this now and then. If somebody's going through adversity, by the way, the name Satan means adversary. That's what it means. It means adversary. If anybody's going through great adversity as a Christian, it's a good chance you're doing something right. It really is. Well, because uh, you know who's trying to hinder you. Must be going the right direction. I watched a football game while well, I read about the football game and uh, about this fella who picked up a fumble. He picked up a fumble on the 10-yard line. He was on defense, and he ran the wrong way. And guess what? Nobody tried to stop him, except his team. His adversaries weren't worried. Keep on going. Yeah. And when the child of God is going the wrong way, the only people trying to stop him are other children of God who, are, who love the Lord. And the devil's crowd's like, yeah, we're not going to stop you. You just go right on. Uh, Job, what's going on, buddy? Uh, I just tried to live for God, and all this came upon me. Hey, Jacob, what's going on? All these things are against me. I'll tell you. David, what's going on? Joseph, what's going on? These are men that tried to do right, live right, and adversity came. But most of the time, if it's coming, that's all right. Praise the Lord, you must be doing something right. And listen, if God be for you, who can be against you? Don't forget that. Don't forget that. There is a devil. I spent a lot of time on that. We'll move on. Ready? Next thing I look at is this. As I look at this passage, Peter. Something I discover here is real simple, real simple. You can be in the right crowd and have wrong thinking. Well, that's deep theology. I mean, here Peter's been with Jesus, and he's been serving the Lord, following the Lord for nearly three years here, actually a little over three years. <clears throat> and, but at this occasion, his thinking is way off. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Gehazi was close to Elisha, but he didn't think right. Judas was very close, and we know what happened to him. Luke 22 tells us that the devil entered him. I said it, the devil entered Judas in Luke 22. Now, it doesn't say he entered Peter. It just says what, we, what is implied is he spoke through Peter. So, we, you can be in the right crowd and have the wrong thinking. You know, somebody can come to a church like this and already put up a brick wall. I'm not getting anything. I don't really want to be here. Well, too bad. I can't get, in, get through to you anyway, so too bad. I'm going to have fun. We're going to have fun. The rest of us are going to sing anyways. The rest of us are going to rejoice anyways. The rest of us are going to pray anyways. And by the way, we're going to love you anyways. I don't, I don't care. Well, you know, you will 
But you can come to a church, you can hang around the people of God, and you can have your thinking like Brother John taught on Wednesday or last Sunday night. Think it can, your thinking can be stinking. Yeah. So uh, the next thing I see here, and it follows up with that, you can be led by the Lord one minute and led by the devil the next. Now, let, let look at your Bible again. Let's use the Bible, okay? Flip back to um, uh, verse 15 and 16. Jesus saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. The same Peter. Same fella. And look. Look at verse 17. This is important. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but who? My Father. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I think this is so amazing. I think it's the, the extremity of, of what has taken place here in just a matter of moments. Is, it's been recorded for us to grasp, okay? Peter, one minute, thou art the Christ. Jesus says, my Father in heaven gave that to you. You were being influenced by my Father in heaven. You received that influence. You, were, you are absolutely right. Pat on the back, A+. plus. You passed the class. Top of the class right now, Peter. Yes, sir. And then one moment later, one moment later, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense. Hold the coffee. If, if, the great Peter, if that could happen to him, that could happen to you and I, too. That, that, if that could happen to him, that could happen to you and I. One minute we can be led by the Spirit of God, and the other minute be led by the Spirit of evil. Matter of fact, I've seen it, or at least it looked like it. Whoa! Didn't they used to go wit soul winning? Didn't they used to sing praises to the Lord? Didn't they? Whoa! What happened to them? Come on now! <laughs> Maybe you've been there too, who knows? <laughs> We're no better. He that standeth, take heed lest he fall. Talk to me, class. I'm here to tell you the extremity. Hey, that, that's kind of. That ought to help us see how much we need God. Wow, just that quick being influenced by the Father than being influenced by the devil. That quick mercy. So, our hearts. Are, that's why the Bible says keep your heart with all diligence. Oh, protect it for out of it are the issues of life. Oh, be careful about what you allow, allow in your heart. And let me just tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. You'll never go wrong by putting the Scripture in your heart. You'll never go wrong about meditating on the promises of God. You'll never go wrong about the blessings of God. You'll never go wrong about thinking about the goodness of God. You'll never go wrong. Hey, this protect your heart. Protect it. That's your responsibility. You're the gatekeeper. God, even though you're saved, God didn't say, okay, stand back. You don't have to do anything now. I'm going to live the Christian life for you. No, he secured your eternal home, your eternal place in heaven. He secured you as a child, but he says, you've got to live in that old body till it finally gives up. And until, so between now and then, you've got a little battle you're going to have to handle. Because really, the only way you're really going to get to know me is to understand the... Uh, need to exercise faith, discernment, 
So, <clears throat> it is obvious our thoughts can be tampered with, and we don't even know it. This is not the first time it's happened, ladies and gentlemen. In 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1, 1 Chronicles 21, verse 1, you don't have to turn there, but I'll just tell you what happened. King David. King David, he's getting up there in years. He's been a king for a good while. Yes, he fouled up with Bathsheba and Uriah. Oh, bad, bad. He humbled himself, and boy, he had to reap the consequences, but he got mercy, and he was forgiven, and his relationship was restored. But when we get to 1 Chronicles 21, verse 1, and it only says it in 1 Chronicles. It doesn't say it in in the Kings or the Samuels. It says it in Chronicles. It's like in Chronicles, God says, I want to unveil the spiritual element behind David's behavior. And the Bible says in 1 Chronicles 21, verse 1, that Satan, Satan, lifted up himself and provoked David to number Israel. That's something. Because it cost 70,000 lives. 70,000, and David had to weigh, had to weigh the, the, experience the weight of that guilt. Their lives were because of his pride. Pride. Oh, I didn't tell you this, but, uh, you know, I said the saints, you're on the menu. But saints that are walking in pride, they're not just on the menu, they're on the table. Are you hearing me? They're not just on the menu. They're on the table. They're getting ready to be dinner. You want to stay off the table? Stay humble. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. He giveth more grace to the humble. Very important there. So we move on. There's lots of little goodies here. In the New Testament, we discover later on in Acts chapter 5, there's a young couple. They just joined the church. They both, I believe, I believe, this is my opinion. If you want to arm wrestle over it, that's fine. But I believe Ananias and Sapphira were saved. I believe they were. Or why would it be a thing? I believe they were saved. But they started walking a little bit pride. They heard about people giving, and they decided, you know what? We're going to pretend like we give more than we really did. And we're going to lie. We're going to lie to the preacher and to the church that we gave this much so that everybody thinks we gave it all. We gave it all. And they didn't. They were little liars. They didn't have to give anything. If they'd have stayed honest, they'd have been just fine. Hello. But they lied. So as they go up and they give a testimony, and apparently Sapphira was in the bathroom, and so Ananias is confronted, and Peter says, uh, Ananias, this is Acts chapter 5, verse 3. Uh, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie against the Holy Ghost? Right, dead, right there, cardiac arrest, he dies. Wow. Well, they carry him out. Wife finally comes in from the bathroom break looking for her husband, and they confront her. Uh, did you agree with your husband? On the, oh, yeah, 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 we uh, the same feet that carried your husband out will carry you out. <laughs> Cardiac arrest. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not telling. This is, this is biblical history. These people were influenced by the devil. What? Oh, pride. Yeah, so uh, 
very important. It's not the only time. Let me say this. <clears throat> if we disagree with Christ, we make ourselves vulnerable to the devil. Y'all, that's simple. That's simple. If, if Jesus son, says something to you that's real clear, and you say to him, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, you're making yourself vulnerable to the devil. That's all I'm saying. You can run that through all kinds of behavior. This is a... Listen to this. You don't have to consciously say yes to the devil to be used by the devil. Just say no to Jesus. Did I say that slow enough for everybody? Balcony, did you get it? Lower level, did you get it? I don't, I don't have to consciously say yes to the, to the devil to be used by the devil. I just have to say no to Jesus. No. I won't go there. No, I won't humble. No, I won't make it right. No, 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 no. Now, now we get to my exclamation point. Now we get to the part to where we got it. If if you don't get anything, you got to get this. Verse 21, look at this again. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples, 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 that was a, a blurp, his disciples, how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. We know it, crucified, and be raised again the third day. That's his passion. The devil, know, the devil is more aware of the power of the gospel than we are. Ladies and gentlemen, it's after Jesus says that that Peter says this. Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And though it doesn't appear the devil's in there, he's there because Jesus turns and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. Well, if it was Satan, what was Satan rebuking? What was Satan rebutting, rebuffing there? What was it? It was the gospel. Are you hearing me? It wasn't a teaching on eschatology. It wasn't about uh, it wasn't about healing a leper or giving sight to the blind or feeding thousands of people. It wasn't about comforting the brokenhearted. Oh no! Satan showed up at this time, and you speaks through Peter at the very time that Jesus says, "You know, after all the things I've done, this is the grand finale." I'm going to die, but I will rise. Why did the devil speak up then? Because he's more aware of the power of the gospel than most of us are. 
He's more aware of what that's going to do to his kingdom than we are. He's more aware of how that's going to bring glory to God than we are. He's more privy to the fact that that's going to set captives free, open blind eyes. Uh, it's going to heal the, those who are spiritually ill. It'll not just save souls, but it'll change lives and civilize people and bring, a, bring the kingdom of God, in a sense, to this earth in, in the sense of love and uh, a purpose and honoring God by which we were created for. He knew this. And it's now, he says, oh, i got to do something, got to do something, got to do And he speaks to Peter. And how does he speak to Peter, ladies and gentlemen? He doesn't come up to Peter and say, uh, hey, I'm the devil, but can I borrow you for, you for a minute? Peter has no idea. Do you all think Peter had an idea it was the devil talking to him? Absol no, he didn't. He had no idea. Absolutely no idea. I can't believe that if Peter knew the devil was speaking to him, he would have said, I comply. Okay. I can't believe that. I heard a preacher say this, self is the Satan that Satan will direct you to. Uh, think about that. What did the devil do? He found, and maybe this is just, this is hypothetical. It's possible the devil saw the opportunity. Peter's heart doesn't like what Jesus just said. He can't fathom Jesus being killed. Oh, it bothers him. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him to say something about it. I'm going to tell him to grab his master and to not do that. And maybe, maybe, maybe since I couldn't beat him in the wilderness when he was fasting, maybe he'll look at Peter and say, you know what, Peter, I don't want to hurt you. We won't do that. I, I, I don't know. I'm being hypothetical here. But the devil sees this, and he sees this human compassion in his heart. Oh, I don't want to see my friend, my teacher, my Lord, my master die, even though he said it's going to happen. And through Peter, it appears to be vocal, quite vocal. He grabs him. He rebukes him. No! Can you imagine the other disciples standing around thinking, yeah, that's right. Well, I'm just being honest. I don't want you to die. But you and I have the whole story. And we ought to understand something here. If he didn't die... Guess who would? And guess how long? Are you hearing me? If he didn't die, we would. Forever. In torments. If he didn't die, there would no, be no light that breaks through on this planet. This world would be far worse than before the days of the flood. Far worse. It is Christianity that's brought civility to this world. True Christianity. You think things are uncivilized. You wait till the Lord takes us out of here. 
Yeah, the ruler of this world's going to be running things. I'm just telling you, ladies and gentlemen, what you and I need to understand is the most important thing is the gospel. I close with this. Yesterday, the Lord blessed my heart, and Brother Jim and Brother Jeremiah were with me. We, we were out knocking on doors, handing out gospel tracts. And I believe every child of God ought to do their part to try to be a witness. And if you can't get out, you ought to be praying for those who are. Hello. At least pray for those who are. But every child of God, if you've got the, the remedy for eternity, friends, share it. <laughs> He's Jesus' remedy. So we're out knocking on doors, and the Lord let me share the gospel. That's my pocket knife. Every guy should carry a pocket knife, just not in the airport. <clears throat> I've had three of them taken forever. So uh, we're knocking doors. We're over off Perryworth Road there. And we'd split up. And I knock on this door, the driveway's here, the house door's here. And you know, it was kind of wild because as I knocked on the door, a door opened behind me. And so I look back and, oh, hi, this gal comes out of her car. She was in her car for some reason. And she says, can I help you? And I said, well, I'm ha-. I told, introduced myself, gave her a track. And, and, you know, you always keep distance, try to break down the walls, smiled and just said, this is what we're doing introduce myself and she's asked her question her name and she said I'm Cassie and so anyways she ended up receiving Christ as her personal savior it was awesome I didn't know Cassie if you're here today hallelujah we rejoice with you she very well could show up but uh, um, so we talked probably 20 minutes there and uh, Jim and Jeremiah showed up and I I said to Cassie hey can I introduce you to these guys? Yeah. You know, because a Christian's not ashamed. She said, sure. And Jim, I tell you, Jeremiah, I don't I can't see you guys. There you are. <coughs> so they shook hands with her, and didn't she just have a happiness? And she made this statement. I wasn't sure if she said it right then or if she said it right before then. She said, I feel good. This feels good. I said, that's what, that's what being saved will do to you. It'll make you feel good. And so we got in the truck. We were rejoicing. We had a good day handing out some gospel literature. You never know if God's going to open doors like that. But we're just, you make yourself available, you know. And that, it was exciting. And so we're in the truck, and we're chit-chatting. And <clears throat> our conversation was directed right here. And I didn't know I was even going to talk about this as far as our story. But when all is said and done, ladies and gentlemen, the most important thing going on is the gospel. You know, I can fellowship with believers if they're right on the gospel. We may disagree on a whole lot of things. We may disagree on the toenails of the dragon, and we may disagree on the timing of the the rapture, but I'm here to tell you, if we can agree on the gospel, I can give you the right hand of fellowship. Because that That is what sets people free. That is what opens people's eyes. Let's keep our eyes on the most important thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. And God will take care of every other thing. Lord, bless the service. Thank you for your word. May the Holy Ghost help us. For those of us that know you as Savior, we rejoice. I, uh, 
like to have our heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment. Heads bowed and eyes closed. There's a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. The Apostle Paul says, I fear lest Satan beguile you through the simplicity of the gospel. His concern for the Corinthians was they'd make the gospel too difficult, too hard. I'm here to tell you, friend, Jesus paid it all. Our debt has been paid. Eternal life is offered as an absolute free gift. And all we have to do is reach out and receive Christ. And He becomes the keeper of our soul. With every head bowed, every eye closed, let me ask this question. Maybe there's some folks here this morning who'd say, Preacher, I don't know that I'll go to heaven when I die. I'm not sure. I don't want to go to hell, but I am not sure I'm going to heaven. Pray for me. If you lift your hand so I can see it, I'll pray for you. Anyone like that as I look around? Is there anyone like that as I'm looking around? If I see no hands, then I assume that you all believe you know Christ is your Savior and you're going to go to heaven, and I'll rejoice with you. But if, you, if you're unsure, I'd like to pray for you. Anyone like that? Let me ask this question number two. Maybe the Lord spoke to you about something else. He spoke to you about something else. And you just, with an uplifted hand, testify, I need prayer because the Lord did speak to me. There's some decisions I need to make. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. Yes, God bless you. I see a number of hands. God bless you. I know we have some folks that are looking to join the church at this time if you want to make your way forward. Father, may you bless those that have raised their hands. May you encourage, strengthen, revive, and refresh them. May the Holy Spirit have free reign in their hearts. And Lord, I pray you bless our invitation time now. I ask this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Brother Brian, come on.